Democrats flee Texas to avoid election reforms, but Greg Abbott says arrests will be made as a result. A CBS host brags to Fauci about banning some of her unvaccinated family members from Thanksgiving. And President Biden plans to send a strike force to Chicago to help with the crime wave. We've got all that and much more coming up, and it starts right now. Hey there, welcome to the news and why it matters. Thanks for joining us. I am Hillary Kennedy filling in this week. And today we've got a great show for you. A lot of awesome topics. I want to start with our guests, though, that we are very fortunate to have here. Mr. Yako Buyans, president and founder of Share Together and host of the Yako Buyans show. Thanks for being back. Good to be with you. And then all the way from Tulsa, Sean Larkin. You are the author of the book Breaking Blue and the former host of Live PD. Thanks for being here. My pleasure. Thank you. And your book just came out. It did uh, about three weeks ago now. All right. So we're going to talk about that. So you want to stick around for that. Um, I do want to start off by saying uh, President Biden just finished speaking about the right to vote, where he claimed we're facing the most significant test of our democracy since the Civil War. That's not hyperbole. Here's the clip. I've said it before. We're facing the most significant test of our democracy since the Civil War. That's not hyperbole. Since the Civil War. The Confederates back then never breached the Capitol as insurrectionists did on January the 6th. I'm not saying this to alarm you. I'm saying this because you should be alarmed. Okay, so I want to get your thoughts on what he just said there. Yako, I'll start with you. What do you think? Yeah, we really have to read carefully into what he's saying. You know, this speech writer, you know, and I think I know who it is. I mean, they write with intent. And so this is about leading the witness. If you were in a court of law, you would be leading the witness, right? about indoctrinating America with a certain mindset, taking us back to trigger, you know, January 6th, say, oh, you remember who did this? And really what this, this, the, the net result of this for me is it pins American against American. It divides. That's a divisive statement. It's a divisive speech coming from the commander in chief, whether I like him or not, he is, you know, he's in that office, duly elected or not, I don't think so, but he's there. And so it's divisive talk. So now I ask myself, why? And then, and then the comparison to, you know, to one of the darkest moments in American history, I would argue, yes, you made it dark. You're making it dark with some of the rhetoric from last year for cancel culture, you know, with all the different things, defunding police, you know, making police stand down in cities as it's burning down, saying it's peaceful protest. So if we are, in fact, where you say we are, it's on your watch for me, right? Mm -hmm. And so, but it's divisive by design because should we unite? I'm telling you, Hillary, and we're so close. Should we unite? You're going to see the country shift completely away from where they want it to go. And so if it's not the vaccine, then it's race. If it's not race, then it's, oh, let me remind you of really dark times in our country. And let me make it recent few January 6th, you know? And so it's almost like they want to say, hey, remember the enemy within, mm -hmm. right? And so, yeah. Sean, do you agree, disagree? Oh, agree fully. Yeah. Um, you know, every single thing now that's coming out, it is divisive in nature. Um, you know, it, it, it's like scared to get people on the same page. Now that everyone's opening their eyes and they're starting to see what's really going on. Yeah. Well, talking about people getting on the same page, well, we're having some trouble here in Texas. Uh, Greg Abbott 
hammered Democratic lawmakers for fleeing Texas to block GOP election reforms. Dozens of them fled Texas yesterday to break quorum and prevent the GOP-controlled state legislature from passing these election reforms. At least 51 of 67 House lawmakers boarded charter flights to Washington, D.C., I believe most of them on very posh private planes, um, to protest in support of the For the People Act, which would shift much of the authority over the election processes from the states to the federal government. So the Democrats, they had considered fleeing to West Virginia and Arizona to put some pressure on Senators uh, Kristen Sinema and Joe Manchin, who've expressed their displeasure with the For the People Act, but they eventually decided against that move because they feared each state's GOP governor would help extradite them back to Texas. Well, now Governor Abbott is addressing these Democrats, and here's what he had to say. The Texas Democrats' decision to break a quorum of the Texas legislature and to abandon the Texas state capitol, that inflicts harm on the very Texans who elected them to serve. As they fly across the country on cushy private planes, they leave undone issues that can help their districts as well as help the entire state. Issues like property tax relief, funding to support sheriffs and law enforcement in high crime areas, funding for children in our foster care system, and funding for retired teachers. The Democrats must put aside partisan political games and get back to the job they were elected to do. Their constituents must not be denied these important resources simply because their elected representatives refuse to show up to work. Okay, so now, uh the Texas House is directing law enforcement to arrest, if necessary, these rogue Democratic lawmakers because the state house can't vote on the legislation without a two-thirds majority. So, I mean, Governor Abbott just keeps saying, I will just keep calling special session after special session. You're just going to keep dragging this out and costing taxpayers more money. It's just turning into such a big mess. What do you think of what is unfolding right now here in Texas? You know, unfortunately, uh, you know, people tend to run from what's going on. And that's exactly what this is. You know, for me, being a former law enforcement officer, if there was something we didn't like, we didn't get the protest. We didn't get to take off. We, st we still have to come to work and deal with it. And especially this past year, all the different things that were going on attacking us, we still had to show up every single day, even though if we didn't like it. Um, you know, people criticize law enforcement if they had what's called the blue flu. You know, where guys were like, oh, I can't protest, so I'm going to, you know, we're calling in sick for a while or something like that. When you've got people fleeing the state and actually being applauded by other people, you know, label them as heroes and brave and stuff like that. In fact, I think it's the exact opposite. I don't know if I'd use the word cowardice, but I mean, they are taking off, uh, you know, avoiding their duties be because something might not go their way. Mm -hmm. I, I, it, it for me, and I'm speaking for myself, not the network, it is cowardice. But again, it's very, very on play with the playbook that the left has. I want to tell you what happened yesterday in, in Austin. Okay? I was asked to speak yesterday to the Senate. I could not go. But they were voting yesterday on whether to allow boys in girls' sports. This happened yesterday in Austin on that day. Well, that goes aside. Not that they fled the state because of that issue, but these are the issues the governor's talking about. Real serious issues day to day like a real job. That, that implicates many Americans, right, is shun aside for political rhetoric. I'll say this, Attorney General Paxton is a friend, he's a great guy, prosecute. When they land on the tarmac, whether it's Austin or wherever they are, 
get them in a room, they're elected officials, that's for me. We need to get back to a place where politicians are not celebrities in this country. Politicians understand that they were elected by the people, only for the people. Not to line their pocketbooks, or big pharma, or big tech, or any pundits in, in the lobbying factor, which is the most insane you know, faction of our culture, the, you know, the lobbyists. And then they pull stunts like this. So do you think, I would love to know what both of you think, do you think if they start to make those arrests, it will discourage the Democrats from pulling this sort of stunt again? Or do you think it's just going to fall by the wayside? You know, I would like to think so. I mean, I, I honestly, I hope it doesn't get to the point that they make arrests. I hope there's some level-headedness that goes on, and they're like, okay, we've made yes. a point, we've stood yes. up, we've gotten attention, and then they show back up here, and, you know, things get done the way it needs to be done. Well, you made an excellent point about how they're being cheered on and applauded, whereas I think most of us, if we decided, hey, I'm just not going to come to work oh. today because I disagree with what's going on, nobody would be cheering us on. But Kamala Harris is sure cheering them on. Uh, she was gushing over these Democrats fleeing Texas. We have a clip. Let's take a listen. I do want to first start by uh, making a statement about the, the legislators in Texas who are showing extraordinary courage and commitment. I met with them when many of them traveled to Washington, D.C. We sat down and had an extensive conversation in the Roosevelt Room in the White House. And I applaud them standing for the rights of all Americans and all Texans to express their voice through their vote unencumbered. Um, I will say that, that they, are, um, they are leaders who are marching in the path that so many others before did, when they fought and many died for our right to vote. After getting such high praise from the vice president, uh, these Democrats are clearly proud of what they've done. So proud, in fact, they've broken out into song. We also have a clip of that. I turn it back over to you for the questions and uh, thank you very much for all that you and all of your colleagues are doing here today. We will overcome, we will overcome, we will overcome someday. Deep in our hearts, I do believe, we will overcome someday. Thank you, Ms. T. Remember American Idol when he'd say, that's a no from me, dog. That's, that's a no from me you know, on that song. It sounds like, you know, when kids are at a birthday party, their mom forced them to go to, and you sing happy birthday, and it just drags, and you go feel yes. so bad for this kid. That's what that felt like, because it's not authentic. Nothing they do is authentic. I'm going to hammer this today. I'm not going to get off it. They play the playbook. When Vice President Harris, hard for me to say, when Vice President Harris I honor the office. I will always honor the office. When she says, oh, I'm so proud of them. Yes, because they're towing the line. They are putting party above people. This is what you're seeing right now. They left Texas because they put party, not the American people. Come on. If they care about the American people, they would represent their constituents that voted them into office in the state of Texas. They would be in Texas in office today handling real serious issues. Mm -hmm. No, it's party. It's party above flag. It's party above country. Okay? We're in a place right now, and I'll say it, where we're trying to replace God with political parties. And that's what this looks like. I mean, it's insanity for me. So I don't take the bait. I know what's going on. Well, really briefly, I want to touch on Cuba. Um, they've really, their government's really been cracking down mm -hmm. on the pro-democracy demonstrations. 
with uh, dissidents and allies now saying the Cuban police are arresting, beating and killing the protesters there. They're also blocking Facebook, WhatsApp, Instagram, Telegram, all the different apps, the Internet, so that we don't truly know the full story of what's going on there. Uh, but some high level dissidents have been arrested. Their whereabouts currently unknown. But we're not hearing anything from the squad or many of the Democrats who have supported socialism in the past. Do you think they're going to speak up? I mean, at some point, do you think they'll be forced to say something? You know, I, I think there'll probably be some generic uh, type of statement that's not going to, you know, corner them on anything in particular, I guess. Um, you know, they're not going to be able to just avoid it altogether because it is such a big thing, especially so close to the U.S. with so many Cubans here in the U.S., um, but they are not going to address what's really going on there. It'll be a generic blank statement. Yeah. Where do you see these protests going? Because, I mean, there's there's protesting and riots going on in your home country as well South right Africa now. right now. And it's just so juxtaposed. I just got off the phone. I mean, you said hi to my family. Um, and we're seeing what's happening in South Africa. This is what I've learned, you know, having done my service in my country. What I've learned is when you reach this tipping point, you don't turn this valve off easy. This is not January 6th. What they, this is what they tell us happened January 6th, and it did not, right? This is a nation saying enough is enough. What concerns me is the people, again, the people of the country saying, hey, we're not China. We don't want to be China. Just turn off social media. You were talking cancel culture, cancel a nation mm -hmm. at this point, government controlled. And the fact that the United States of America's leadership, right, cannot say that's not okay, shows you how out of touch they are with how valuable freedom really is. And it also shows me how much they really care about our freedom. They don't, right? So we are moving rapidly in that direction just based on their actions. Do you think that they will get their liberty or do you think the government's going to shut everything down before that can happen? I think you're going to see Venezuela. I think you're going to see a situation where the people's going to have a president. And unfortunately, you know, the world backed the wrong guy, and then President Trump said, no, this is not the president, this is the guy. I mean, you're looking at the tearing of a nation. This happened in Sudan, North Sudan, South Sudan. This happened in, you know, the Congo, Congo Brazzaville, Democratic Republic of the Congo. This is in South Africa right now. We're splitting because one president's in prison, and half of the people say, that's our president. He was just arrested. And the other half of the people say, he's not your president. I mean, so it's crazy because it's ideology. It's the same ideology by the African National Communist Party. They say Congress. Same ideology. When you move to socialism and communism, this happens. Well, it's interesting that Bernie Sanders, when asked about it, really didn't have all that much to say. He said, look, my main focus right now, and what I'm spending all of my time on, is the reconciliation bill. Although in the past he said, life in Cuba, not that bad. But now he doesn't have a whole lot to say about it. Very interesting. Okay, so we have to go to break, but when we come back, we're going to talk about how the DNC and Biden allies, they are pushing for SMS carriers to crack down on vaccine misinformation in your private text messages and on social media. This is some crazy stuff. Stick around. We'll be right back. The Biden administration is very concerned about misinformation about the vaccine spreading through your private text messages and on social media. So the Democratic National Committee and other allies of President Joe Biden, they are really pushing social media companies and the SMS carriers to censor vaccine disinformation that is spread on their platforms. So this effort was reported in Politico yesterday. 
Because as we've heard, the Biden administration is really struggling to boost vaccination rates after failing to meet that goal that they had for July 4th. So they are planning to engage fact checkers more aggressively and work with SMS carriers to dispel misinformation about vaccines sent over social media and text messages and ensure the people who may have difficulty getting a vaccination because of issues like transportation see those barriers lessened or removed entirely. And they do still intend to adopt a door-to-door vaccination awareness strategy. A lot of people very unhappy about that. I was telling Glenn this morning, I'm like, my doorbell is broken. I won't be getting it repaired anytime soon. I don't want them showing up at my door. Um, I'll start with you, Sean. What are your thoughts on the Biden administration going this far? You know, us in law enforcement, we have such a difficult time getting into people's social media. I mean, from from I'm so glad you're saying this. Tell it us is, how difficult it is to do it a wiretap. A wiretap is damn near impossible. All right. I mean, it is. You know, search warrants to Come get on. someone's history through Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, all these type of things. They are very, very, very difficult for us in law enforcement to do. And I'm talking about working a homicide, working a shooting, you know, something like this. Or, you know, uh, child, child predators, things yeah. like this. Um, it is very, very difficult to get a wiretap. We're monitoring what's going on in somebody's text messages, cell phones and things like that. It is something that takes months for us to be able to do that has to get approved from federal prosecution. It goes to D.C., comes back over and over again. And for something to be pushed out like this, potentially through everybody's you know, message systems or whatever it is, just it, it's a total invasion, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. It is kind of mind blowing. I'm so glad, Sean, I'm so glad you brought that up. You know, we're in this fight every day. We have we have guys caught red handed. We have got teenagers with nude images online. We can't get it removed. Can't get Facebook. You can't get court orders. You can't. It's almost impossible to fight a good fight and get data when you know the perpetrator. And now the president of the United States is not only saying, hey, what First Amendment? Mm-hmm. Excuse me, what freedom of speech again? Well, because this doesn't oh, sound you, like no, something no, no, a free no, no, country would no, do. To him, to him, it's like, well, your freedom of speech doesn't cover when it comes to COVID. No, yes, it does. It also gives us the freedom to speak against you, Mr. President, when you're wrong, right? So what freedom of speech? So that's out the window, number one. So you should bow up like crazy. And then secondly, who's he asking to do this? Big tech. We're winning in an evolution here of saying, hey, fight big tech. Our commander in chief is going to big tech, say, hey, come help me spy on Americans. Well, and also remember a few years, uh, you know, a few years ago, if I remember correctly, we were trying to ask, we as in law enforcement, were trying to ask big tech, particularly, I think it was Apple, to get into iPhones. Correct. For, I remember for, that. Well, I think it was maybe down there in the, the, the San Bernardino, yep. uh, you know, the, the, the couple that was killing people. Mm-hmm. And they wouldn't open it for us, you know, or for law enforcement. We couldn't get into their phones to see what they were doing. But, but they can get into can our private phone to harvest, to censor speech, to say, oh, shut this guy down because he, you know, this family doesn't want a vaccine their child all of a sudden. This is why I'm telling you, this is why we launched free space. And I'm just going to, we launched free space because we're autonomous. You can't shut us down and you can't, you can't listen in. Oh, heck no. But this is so radical, Hillary. We can't just let this slide. The president of the United States is asking private corporations to spy on American people. When law enforcement is telling you it's really, really hard within the law to get that same information when you are fighting, you know, investigating a homicide case. That's not right. It's scary. Mm-hmm. Well, while we're talking about vaccines, I want to mention that CBS This Morning host Gail King, she was talking to Dr. Anthony Fauci about the Biden administration's intention to go door to door and convince all Americans to get vaccinated. And she had something to say about how far she's willing to go to stop people 
who are unvaccinated from coming to her house. Let's take a listen. We really need to get more people vaccinated because that's the solution. Yeah. This virus will, in fact, be protected against by the vaccine. Dr. Fauci, I don't know how many more times you can say to people, listen, it will save your life. I have this problem with some members of my own family, which I'm now going to ban for Thanksgiving vacation. That's how strongly I'm taking what you're saying. If she's vaccinated, why is she concerned about her unvaccinated family members coming over for Thanksgiving? <laughs> I'm just asking for a friend. <laughs> it's a contradiction in the same sentence. Yeah. If the vaccine worked, the same thing about the mask, right? If the mask really works and you're wearing it, why are you worried about me? If the vaccine actually works, then you shouldn't have a problem. You're vaccinated. But here's the deal. What they don't want to tell you, and I, if I repeat again what I repeated last time, they took our whole segment off. But go look, just do your own research and go look at the death rate at the vaccine and go look at the clotting rate, the blood clotting rate. Go talk to doctors who, who have not been bought and paid off. There's a reason Americans, certain Americans are saying, I'm not taking the vaccine. And it's my right as an American to mm -hmm. say, I'm not taking the vaccine and it's your right to take the vaccine. But when we get into this place where we're going to predicate to people what you take and don't take. Oh, and by the way, I said it on Friday show. You've got pro athletes, fully vaccinated, world title fights, get COVID. I thought it works, Fauci. It doesn't. I, you, still, what's in it? There's no there's no proof even what's going to happen five, ten years from now. So so look to each his own. You want to take the vaccine, you take it, but you cannot. Don't come knock on my door. I'll say it in front of a former officer. You do, do not come knock on my door with this nonsense. We're going to brawl. I'm telling you, this is not good. You cannot force me to do things to my children. You now know five and up. No, sorry. Well, I want, Sean, I want to get your take on this next story because France is now going to require people to use a health passport to enter a restaurant or some sort of non-essential attraction this fall. The president there said it's going to start in August. And they're going to use this health passport program to share. You can share a QR code when you show up to an establishment. Or you'll have a certificate or something to show that you have either been vaccinated, recently recovered from the virus, or you've had a recent negative COVID-19 test. Uh, they're trying to slow the infections in France and encourage more people to get vaccinated because only 36% of France's population is fully vaccinated. First of all, what are your thoughts on his decision and how hard would it be to enforce exactly. something well, like this? I, I think there's going to be a lot of people not traveling to France this fall. <laughs> um, but it is. It, it's once again, it goes back to what we we're talking about the invasion of privacy. You know, whether or not somebody chooses to get it or not, where you every place you go and you want to sit and get a bite to eat or have a cocktail or something like that, if you have to show this, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, here our medical records and things like that are heavily protected. Um, but to just show share this with anybody and everybody as you're going in to go hey listen i had covid three weeks ago i'm clear now or i've had the shot it, it's it, it baffles me honestly well and don't you think that leads into people reporting other people who maybe you're lying about if they've been vaccinated or, or reporting people that you know are trying to get into restaurants or causing a problem wouldn't that take the focus from law enforcement away from things that actually but, are critical that's the game here hillary this is the game look over here while we rob you blind of your rights and money and print money like it's water and put you in hyperinflation and sell us off to China and export all the jobs again and create war in the Middle East because of oil. This is the game, right? I mean, come on, this is what, it, this is what it's about. Hey, oh, by the way, so then I can make the argument, hey, uh, so show me your anti-AIDS passport. Show me your anti-chlamydia passport. How do you prove to me that you're in the same swimming pool in the public swimming pool, but you don't have herpes? 
How are you going to prove that to me? Like where does or it or stop? Your, your West Nile virus passport or your Ebola? Or Come on, why only COVID? Well, why only COVID? Only, there's other illnesses that kill people every day by far greater rates. With France yeah. adopting this now, starting this August, do you think America is next? I mean, it sounds like we're moving quickly in that direction. I certainly hope not. I mean, I, I don't. I'd like to believe that we here in the States would not go to that level, but we will see. They don't have the First Amendment. And I still believe in Americans, not the government. Mm-hmm. Can't stand the government. I, know, I love government agencies, the individuals on the ground, law enforcement, the actual officers on the ground, but the, but the brass, don't right. trust them. The Americans are going to stand on their First Amendment right, and they have to. Amen. Freedom lovers, we got to stick together. All right, we got to go to break. We'll be right back. I just, I kept thinking too much. Violent crime in Chicago, it has been a major problem for a long time. Well, President Biden is sending a strike force to the city to help handle all of that violent crime. Luckily, we have someone here at the table, Sean Larkin, who spent 24 and a half years in law enforcement. So, Sean, I want to get your take on this because he's sending this strike force to Chicago, also into New York City, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Washington, D.C., to help officials in those cities crack down on illegal gun trafficking, even though it's not really clear that illegal gun trafficking is directly responsible for that spike in crime. Um, but the strike force teams will coordinate with the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms, share information with local and state law enforcement agencies about where those firearms originate from, where they're used to commit crimes and effort to bring down those gun dealing rings. So they're complaining the iron pipeline supplies criminals in New York City. Chicago's mayor Lightfoot claims the sellers in Indiana are supplying criminals in Chicago and that the Chicago suburbs have very lax gun laws and it's allowing them to purchase those weapons and traffic them back into the city. So the strike force doesn't really address what Lightfoot has also claimed to be a primary driver in their crime there, which is racism. racism. She's saying that's the cause for their violence. 1,600 people have been shot so far in Chicago in 2021. That is a huge number. What do you make of Biden's strike force? So for a long time here, I see politicians and, you know, talk about violent crime and, and, and you know, whether they're uh, other social people that get involved talking about violent crime. We need to do this. We need to do that. None of these guys have ever taken a gun off of somebody in their life. You know, they, they, they're not the guys that's ever stopped a car and had someone bail out of the car with a gun in their hand. They're not the ones responding to shootings and seeing 13-year-old kids killed or 13-year-olds shooting somebody else, you know, something like that. I uh, supervised our gang unit and what turned into our crime gun unit, where all we did was investigate shootings and illegal possessors of firearms in Tulsa. And people kind of laughed originally about Tulsa, Oklahoma, when we were on live PD, and then they saw, hey, we have major crime here. Our, our homicide rate, um, not that it's something to be proud of, but violent crime, we were like the number one uh, city in the country with a population under 500,000 for murders. And so we were very, very active there in Tulsa. When these federal agencies come into work, they're not out there on the streets doing anything. It's the boots on the ground. It's your, it's your American sure. street cop that's out there doing the job. They give us grant money that allows us to work overtime. They tell us they're going to federally prosecute crimes. And that's about it. So a lot of the stuff that I've heard going on about, hey, we're going to send a group here. We're going to send a group here. We're coming down on this. That American street cop are the guys that are doing it. They might give some money. There might be some federal agents there for two weeks or so, and then it usually kind of disappears. Um, so a lot of it's just a lot of um, 
you know uh, optics optics that's exactly it that's exactly it and as far as the pipeline goes listen i've, I've said the same thing about firearms and, and dope is everywhere bad guys are going to get drugs bad guys get guns period um you know the it, it's not this pipeline coming out of other areas thugs are thugs that's it yeah. do you think it's going to make any difference Yaku? Do you from think the heart of the true blue right here when will america understand that supply meets demand that's business 101. So let's go arrest every firearm. Okay, then it'll come from somewhere. They'll make them in their kitchens. They'll make Molotov cocktails. A thug is a thug, right? Hurt people, hurt people. It's not the gun. I've yet to see a gun fire itself. Ever, ever. It's human beings, right? Legal or illegal, thugs will get it. It probably come, it doesn't matter where it comes from. This, someone will supply if it's a demand. When will we have the actual conversation that it's policy in Chicago, it's leadership in Chicago that's making people kill? Same race crime, black on black. They don't want to mention that. Black on black crime. It's horrific, right? It's not the gun. No, I don't think it makes a difference. It is optics. It's a political ploy. My experience with law enforcement, a lot of experience with law enforcement, it always falls down on the regular cop. They are overworked underpaid they are snowed in they push the limit these guys are dads husbands right they go home they take that stuff home with them the burnout rate is insane we should salute every officer literally stand and salute them and say praise god you were willing to put your uniform on this morning in a regular day not even so no it's going to come down to the street we just got rid of the dallas vice unit we don't have a vice unit in dallas so what if they came in here? There's not even a vice unit in Dallas because they defund the police. No, it's going to come down to, to the Tulsa cop or the Chicago cop who's already stressed to the max. Yes, that's so true. We are so grateful for your service. Thank you, I appreciate because it. Because that is a huge sacrifice. Well, there are a lot of people who have reacted that are in law enforcement, and they're saying that Biden's crime plan is foolish and a knee-jerk action. So Biden met with some big city political and police leaders, but apparently no national law enforcement executives. Money isn't the problem with police recruitment and retention. Cops are leaving because they've been disrespected and disempowered, said Jason Johnson, president of the Law Enforcement Legal Defense Fund. If he believes that hiring and retaining cops, more cops is necessary, and it is, he should start standing up for the men and women of law enforcement and stop perpetuating lies about this noble profession, he added. Biden says there's no one-size-fits-all approach and just is continuing to push for hiring more police and eliminating illegal guns. But, uh, Yaku, as you mentioned, you know, so many of them are leaving the profession in record numbers, retiring early. Look at CBP. You know how many petitions are in from CBP saying, I want to be a street cop in another city, I want to be on a border? Now, if you think about this for, for a second, this is the same group of people, Pelosi, the Squat, Schumer, Schiff, this guy, who blocked President Trump from going into Portland and saying, let's go help the law enforcement. No, you can't come in here. Mm -hmm. You can't send the National Guard mm -hmm. in here. You can't send anybody. Now he's setting some sort of a super squad who's, no way. It's gonna put more pressure on the local cop and it's not really fi fixing the problem. End of story. Well, Sean, oh, go ahead. You have something to say. Well, I was just going to say, you know, he talked about the vice unit being gone in Dallas, and you're going to see that happen more and more across the country in larger departments. With the retirement that's happening, the lack of recruits that are coming in. I mean, in Tulsa, we just canceled a police academy because we didn't have enough qualified candidates. You Listen know, we're, to what he we're just supposed said. to run three, three academies a year. We just canceled one. And you have to have the street cop, the guy that's out there taking the 911 call, the guy that's in a police car. 
cops will always go to those calls. I mean, they're, they're, when the 911 call comes in, they're going to go to it. But you're going to lose all these proactive units, vice units, gang units, street crimes units, and things like that. The units that do what I call proactive policing that go out there and try to be ahead of a crime rather than reactive. And that's why I think we're going to continue to see the crime rate go up for the, uh, in a lot of these cities over the next couple of years until that attrition gets corrected. So do you think Biden will ever admit that the problem is really greater than just funding? Do you think he's ever going to come out and voice his support for police officers? Because like you're saying, the problem is if they continue to be disrespected the way that they are, you won't see recruitment numbers go up. You will see all of these great, fantastic, very much needed law enforcement officers retiring early, quitting, finding other careers. I don't. And, and here's why. As he talked about earlier, our country is so divided on everything. Everything is divided. It's, it, it turns into blue or red. And when you've got one side uh, on politics that is pr voices pro-police, therefore the other side was, well, if they're pro-police, we can't say we support the police. We shouldn't say it. And, and, you know, all those that vote that way, they don't want to do it because then it gives, hey, we're supporting something on the other side. And so it's just, it, it's just going to stay divided uh, for the time being. And I don't think anybody up in the office is going to speak out like that. Yeah. I agree. Well, the Minneapolis police chief asserted over the weekend that police are not the biggest threat to safety of the city after a three-year-old, this is so sad, was reportedly shot on Friday. Here's a clip with what he had to say. And I want you all to know right now, the biggest threat to public safety in our city, in particular our African-American community, is not the police. It is not the police. We have an epidemic right now of unequivocal gun violence, particularly in African-American communities, and that must stop. Well, so the chief said when officers arrived at the location, they observed the child had suffered a critical gunshot wound. They made the decision to transport the child to the hospital in a squad car instead of waiting for the ambulance, which saved the child's life. He said they made the right choice. He said the had the officers not made that decision to transport, they probably would have been reporting on another death of a child. It just seems crazy to me. Should it have even been necessary for the police chief to point out that police are not the biggest threat to safety? Well, unfortunately, you have to, um, you know, because of, you know, we saw it coming into the election this past year. Obviously, the things that went on, you know, during 2020 with protests and things like that. I mean, you had politicians, you had athletes, you had musicians, you had, you know, your everyday citizen, whether it was through their own social media, just hammering the police that they were the problem that there was this you know the word epidemic had been used pandemic had been used about police brutality police violence and it's just not factual um you know i've, I've been saying that police officers engineers accountants we have to go off our hard numbers that's what matters for us and the numbers just do not back up what a lot of these people are saying about police yeah but I mean, you're talking about real mathematics and you talk about logic and you're Crazy. talking about facts and truth this little thing called truth which is not fluid it's math you can actually go and account how many shootings who did it where were they and here you've got an, an african-american chief saying hey and, but today you have to state the obvious in this country if you don't state the obvious, they'll just spin it all, you know, seven times sideways. And, you know, Sheriff Weyburn said in this chair, I sat there, and it Sean here. And police offered this about 90 seconds, maximum, maybe shorter, to make the most critical decisions in your life. To fire, not to fire, which weapon, the peripheral, what's happening around these guys. It's so easy to be an armchair quarterback mm -hmm. and say, oh, I would. No, you would not. You'd freeze. More people would die. I mean, so 
it's crazy, but we have to state the obvious. If we don't, then the left will spin this thing. So I understand why that chief did, because he's defending his men he's right. the, and women, and, and the, the great men and women that serve to say, hey, they're not the problem. And you think, well, we don't have to state that. No, we better. We're so glad that he uh -huh. did. All right, we will be right back. Stick around, we've got more to come. We're gonna be talking about... Hold on to your seats, get ready for some fire from Yaku Buyans on this story because a prominent medical journal says parents should have veto power in transgender children's medical decisions. This just seems incredibly bizarre. Writing in the Journal of Medical Ethics last month, bioethics professor Mara Priest argued that when it comes to transition-related pediatric care, only the patient has the ability to truly weigh the costs and benefits of undergoing puberty suppression treatment, even if that patient is a child. She said it's not the place of doctors or parents to stand in the way. Okay. Listen, I, I have to know what you go to August this. last year to my Instagram and we broke this story then because Gavin Newsom, the agent of death in the United States, the agent of all things against youth, signed State Bill 145 into executive order, which created a gender an age gap within cross gender of 10 years where a 25 year old can rape a 16 year old and a federal judge decides whether it's rape, forget about statutory rape, the judge decides. And here what they're saying is a judge will step in for the child and give the child sexual agency. They won't say this, but this is comprehensive sex ed. This comes from the WHO, UNESCO, SICUS, Planned Parenthood Federation Foundation that wrote this curriculum for kids. And here's what it's all about. It's to take your rights away from your child when it comes to sex. They want your child to have sexual agency, which means... Susie, today in California, that's three, that says to her teacher, I think I'm a boy. She gets sexual agency today in California. Her parents cannot stop Planned Parenthood or the school to give her a drug called Luprin, right? To give her a puberty blocker, which will sterilize her for life, okay? For life, because you signed the waiver. That's just what this is about. So you have to ask yourself, who are these people that are okay, that think in their not right in mind that a child, three, five, seven, twelve, can handle sex, number one, can have sexual conversation, number two, can engage in sex, and oh, not just that, can literally change gender by, by giving them puberty blockers. And so this is what you're seeing. Wake up, America. It's already the law in California. It's already the law in, in Washington State, Governor Inslee. These radicals have signed this into executive order. It's spreading like wildfire through the country, and I'm calling on moms. Good night. This is when your claws come out. This is when you storm the gate. I will go to war over this. When you start abusing children under the law and you start writing law, you know what the pedophiles say about this? They love it. They love it because the second you introduce sex to a child, now a pedophile online can have a sexual conversation with the child without the child frowning upon it mm -hmm. because I'm used to having, because I'm now in charge of my sexuality as a child, right? It's abuse. Well, so why do you feel like so many Democrats ignore the statistics <coughs> on people who regret going through a transition? Because especially at a very young age, there are so many statistics on that, but they never voice that. They never say anything about it. I don't want to hog all the time, Sean. You go because I'll throw mugs and go. <laughs> no, I'm going to tell you what. This is this yeah. is your this is your no. topic. Something you're passionate about. But something as simple as even getting a tattoo 
in all 50 states, you know, a lot of states, you can't get one period if you're under the age of 18. Correct. I think there's like 38 or 40 or something like that. If you're under 18, a parent has to give you permission. But now something like this that can be done that's life-changing that parents can't be involved in. It just blows me away. Right. You, know what, you know what that bill was called in our community to fight sex trafficking? The pedo bill. It was called the pedo bill because it gives pedophiles rights and access to children. You have to understand, you have to groom a child to be trafficked. It takes time. Law enforcement, these guys are excellent at grooming children online. Now we're not grooming a child online, we're grooming them in a classroom. Mm -hmm. We're grooming the child in the court of law. We're giving them legal rights. We tell the pedophile, hey, you've got a free-for-all. Come walk into the, into the Walmart of children of our country and come, you know, come exploit children. And our politicians are doing this. And our White House is okay with this, by the way. Okay? You're talking about a vice president that wants to legalize prostitution. Right? This is insanity. So, Yaku, since you are an expert on this, how can parents continue to make sure that they have a say about what goes on with their children anymore? Because slowly we're seeing those rights being taken away. Conservatives in this country vote for the president of the United States, and it's the biggest mistake we've ever made. You've got to vote for the president. You've got to get local. Your county commissioner, your school principal, your mayor, you don't understand how powerful. Your independent school district representative, how powerful these people are. They literally have infiltrated the local community. Stop thinking Washington, D.C. for a minute. Take your schools back. You got to take the school board. If there's two school board seats to win, let 400 of you go and run for those two seats. Overwhelm them. You got to bring morality. This is a godless move. I'm telling you, our nation, this is Ezekiel 33. When the watchmen on the wall don't warn, the blood's on the hand of the watchmen. We will pay for this as a nation. You, you have no idea. Because a child that's sexually compromised, you've lost them. It takes us a decade of therapy to restore a child coming from trafficking or sexual abuse or rape. We're losing a generation that won't fight for their First Amendment right when they're 21 because they're going to be sexually so compromised, mm -hmm. they're just going to fight for survival. Or, oh, by the way, we saw Friday, teen suicide through the roof because of these kind of things, right? It's insane. We, we, we just can't. I mean, I've had enough. Well, hey, you've, you've said plenty and helped so many people with what you had to say. So we're, we're very fortunate to have you. Yeah, yep. I know that. All right, when we come back, we'll tell you why if you have more than two children, you're not going to be up for the award that Prince Harry and Meghan Markle won. So sorry about you. <laughs> we'll talk about that when we come back. <laughs> this thing is so crazy. Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, they have received an environmental award for their two-child limit in their family. Isn't that interesting? Uh, because they're helping make the world more sustainable and saving some room for the next generation. Thoughts on this? <laughs> I want to know if I was a finalist. I've got two kiddos as well, so I hope I was up there in that top tier. With them. We're giving you an award <laughs> right now. Thank That's you, right. sir. Congratulations. Being here is, a, is an award. So how's that? Here's my answer to that. Don't care, don't listen to those two people. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. Well, and Sean, we are fortunate to have you here. You had a book come out on June 15th, Breaking Blue, Real Life Cops Falsely Accused. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about it. Um, ironically, this book I'd actually written and it was just getting ready to go to print right when COVID happened. So a lot of people think the timing of it coming out this past month had to do with what's gone on the past year as far as law enforcement. It actually was written beforehand. Um, we held off for a year due to COVID. 
but it is a series of vignettes, series of stories, other cops across the country I was fortunate to interview to talk with them about being falsely accused of crimes or wrongdoing that never happened. And two of the stories, there were cops that actually went to prison, one of them for over 20 years for sexually molesting his own kids, that never happened. Uh, another one for murder. Um, I've got a story about myself in there, what I went through in 2010 being investigated. Um, it's an eye-opener, and uh, I hope people get into it. Yes. I'm, I'm excited. We want everybody to pick it up. Breaking Blue, real-life cops falsely accused. Thank you so much for being here, guys. Thank you. This is a great show. Amazing. Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.